Look, you are the one who ate to his satisfaction when he was hungry to the white of his eyes. The whole land is dead, and you have not hungered. I have managed to keep you alive so far. Look, one should say hunger only about real hunger. They've started to eat people here. Hello and welcome to History Obscura, where I'm always working on my audio quality. Let me know if this one works a little better, hey? It's Egypt Week here at History Obscura, so I'd like to start off with something funny I found in my studies. This is from the Old Kingdom of Egypt, and it's an autobiography printed on someone's cenotaph. The Count Governor of Upper Egypt, Chamberlain, Warden of Nekin, Major of Nekob, Sole Companion, Honored by Osiris, Foremost of the Westerners, Weni. I was a fillet-wearing youth under the majesty of King Teddy, my office being that of custodian of the storehouse when I became inspector of tenants of the palace. When I had become overseer of the robing room under the majesty of King Pepe, his majesty gave me the rank of companion and inspector of priests of his pyramid town. While my office was of that palace, his majesty made me senior warden of Nekin, his heart being filled with me beyond any other servant of his. I heard cases alone with the chief judge and vizier, concerning all kinds of secrets. I acted in the name of the king for the royal harem and for the six great houses, because his majesty's heart was filled with me beyond any official of his, any noble of his, any servant of his. When I begged of the majesty of my lord that there be brought for me a sarcophagus of white stone from Tura, his Majesty had a royal seal-bearer cross over with a company of sailors under his command to bring me this sarcophagus. It came with him in a great barge of the court, together with its lid, a doorway, lintel, two door jams, and a libation table. Never before had the like been done for any servant, but I was excellent in His Majesty's heart. I was rooted in His Majesty's heart. His Majesty's heart was filled with me. While I was senior warden of Nekin, His Majesty made me a sole companion and overseer of the royal tenants. I replaced four overseers of royal tenants who were there. I acted for His Majesty's praise in guarding, escorting the king, and attending. I acted throughout so that His Majesty praised me for it exceedingly. When there was a secret charge in the royal harem against Queen Weretyamts, His Majesty made me go in to hear it alone. No chief judge in vizier, no official was there, only I alone, because I was worthy. Because I was rooted in His Majesty's heart, because His Majesty had filled His heart with me. Only I put it in writing together with one other senior warden of Nekin, while my rank was only that of overseer of royal tenants. Never before had one like me heard a secret of the king's harem. 
When His Majesty took action against the Asiatic Sand Dwellers, His Majesty made an army of many tens of thousands from all of Upper Egypt, from Yebu in the south to Medinet in the north, from Lower Kingdom, from all of the two sides of the house, and from Sejer and Kensedru, and from Irch Nubians, Medja Nubians, etc. His Majesty sent me at the head of this army, there being counts, royal seal bearers, sole companions of the palace, chieftains and mayors of towns of Upper and Lower Egypt, scout leaders, priests, and chief district officials at the head of the troops. From the villages and towns that they governed, and from the Nubians of those foreign lands, troops came. I was the one who commanded them, while my rank was that of overseer because of my rectitude, so that no one attacked his fellow, so that no one seized a loaf or sandals from a traveler, so that no one took a cloth from any town, so that no one took a goat from anyone. I led them from Northern Isle and from Gate of Iotep in the district of Horus, Lord of Truth, while I belonged in this rank. I determined the number of these troops, and it had never been determined by any servant before. This army returned in safety. It had ravaged the Sand Dweller's land. It had flattened the Sand Dweller's land. It had sacked its strongholds. It had cut down its figs, its vines. It had thrown fire in all its mansions. It had slain its troops by many ten thousands. It had carried off many troops as captives. His Majesty praised me for it beyond anything. His Majesty sent me to lead this army five times to attack the land of the Sand Dwellers as often they rebelled with these troops. I acted so that His Majesty praised me. Told there were marauders among these foreigners at the nose of the gazelle's head, I crossed in ships with these troops. I made a landing in the back of the height of the mountain range to the north of the land of the Sand Dwellers while half of this army was on the road. I came and caught them all and slew every marauder among them. When I was chamberlain of the palace and sandal bearer, King Murnair, my lord who lives forever, made me count and governor of Upper Egypt, from Yebu in the south to Medinet in the north, because I was worthy in His Majesty's heart, because I was rooted in His Majesty's heart, because His Majesty's heart was filled with me. When I was chamberlain and sandal-bearer, His Majesty praised me for the watch and guard duty which I did at court. More than any noble, more than any servant, never before had this office been held by any servant. I governed Upper Egypt for him in peace, so that no one attacked his fellow. I did every task. I counted everything that is countable for the residents in this Upper Egypt two times, and every service that is countable in this residence of Upper Egypt, two times. I did a perfect job in this Upper Egypt. Never before had the like been done. I acted throughout so that His Majesty praised me for it. His Majesty sent me to Iphat to bring the sarcophagus, chest of the living, together with its lid, and the costly August Pyramidion for the pyramid. 
I was sent to Yabu to bring a granite false door and its libation stone and granite lintels, and to bring granite portals and libation stones for the upper chamber of the pyramid, Merner appears in splendor, my mistress. I traveled north to the pyramid, Merner appears in splendor, in six barges and three towboats of eight ribs in a single expedition. Never had Yabu and Ibhat been done in a single expedition under any king. Thus, everything His Majesty commanded was done entirely as His Majesty commanded. His Majesty sent me to Hatnub to bring a great altar of alabaster of Hatnub. I brought this altar down for him in seventeen days. After it was quarried at Hatnub, I had it go downstream in this barge I had built for it, a barge of acacia wood of sixty cubits in length and thirty cubits in width. Assembled in seventeen days, in the third month of summer, when there was no water on the sandbanks, it landed at the pyramid, Mernera Pliers in Splendor, in safety. It came about through me entirely in accordance with the ordinance commanded by my lord. His Majesty sent me to dig five canals in Upper Egypt, and to build three barges and four towboats of acacia wood of Wuat. Then the foreign chiefs of Irjet, Wawat, Yam, and Mencha cut the timber for them. I did all in one year. Floated, they were loaded with very large granite blocks for the pyramid Mernera Piers in Splendor. And indeed, I made a saving for the palace with all these five canals. As King Mernera, who lives forever, is august, exalted, and mighty more than any god, so everything came about in accordance with the ordinance commanded by his Ka. I was one beloved of his father, praised by his mother, gracious to his brothers. The Count, true governor of Upper Egypt, honored by Osiris, Winnie. Another cenotaph autobiography, written in the 6th dynasty, was from Harkuf, who said... I have come here from my city, I have descended from my gnome. I have built up a house, set up its doors, I have dug a pool, planted sycamores. The king praised me. My father made a will for me. I was one worthy, one beloved of his father, praised by his mother, whom all his brothers loved. I gave bread to the hungry, clothing to the naked. I brought the boatless to land. O oh, you who live upon earth, who shall pass by this tomb, going north or south, who shall say, A thousand loaves and beer jugs for the owner of this tomb. I shall watch over them in the necropolis. I am an excellent equipped spirit, a lector priest who knows his speech. As for any man who enters this tomb unclean, I shall seize him by the neck like a bird. He will be judged for it by the great God. I was the one who spoke fairly, who repeated what was liked. I never spoke evilly against any man to his superior, for I wished to stand well with the great God. Moving forward in Egyptian history, we take a look at literature, specifically the destruction of mankind, which is inscribed in five royal tombs of the New Kingdom. Those are the tombs of Tutankhamun, Seti I, Ramesses II, Ramesses III, and Ramesses VI. 
It happened in the time of the majesty of Ra, the self-created, after he had become king of men and gods together. Mankind plotted against him, while his majesty had grown old, his bones being silver, his flesh gold, his hair true lapis lazuli. When his majesty perceived the plotting of mankind against him, he said to his followers, Summon to me my eye, and Shu, Tefnut, Geb, Nut, and the fathers and mothers who were with me when I was in Noon, and also the god Noon, and he shall bring his courtiers with him. But bring them stealthily, lest mankind see, lest they lose heart. Come with them to the palace that they may give their counsel. In the end, I may return to Noon, to the place where I came into being. The gods were brought. The gods were lined up on his two sides, bowing to the ground before his majesty, that he might make his speech before the eldest father, the maker of mankind, the king of people. They said to his majesty, Speak to us that we may hear it. Then Ra said to Nun, O eldest god in whom I came to being, and ancestor gods, look, mankind which issued from my eye is plotting against me. Tell me what you would do about it, for I am searching. I would not slay them until I have heard what you might say about it. Spoke the majesty of Noon, My son Ra, God greater than his maker, more august than that of his creators, stay on your throne. Great is fear of you when your eye is on those who scheme against you. Said the majesty of Ra, Look, they are fleeing to the desert, their hearts fearful that I might speak to them. They said to his majesty, Let your eye go and smite them for you, those schemers of evil. No eye is more able to smite them for you. May it go down as Hathor. The goddess returned after slaying mankind in the desert, and the majesty of this god said, Welcome in peace, Hathor, I who did what I came for, said the goddess. As you live for me, I have overpowered mankind, and it was balm to my heart, said Ra. I shall have power over them as king by diminishing them. Thus, the powerful one, Sekhmet, came into being. The beer mash of the night for her who would wade in their blood as far as Nays. Ra said, Summon me to swift, nimble messengers that they may run like a body's shadow. The messengers were brought immediately, and the majesty of this god said, Go to Yabu and bring me red ochre in great quantity. The red ochre was brought to him, and the majesty of this god ordered the sidelock wearer in On to grind the ochre, while maidservants crushed barley for beer. Then the red ochre was put into the beer mash, and it became like human blood, and seven thousand jars of beer were made. Then the majesty of the king of Upper and Lower Egypt, Ra, came together with the gods to see the beer. Now when day dawned on which the goddess would slay mankind in their time of traveling south, the majesty of Ra said, It is good. 
I shall save mankind by it. And Ra said, Carry it to the place where she plans to slay mankind. Ra rose early before dawn to have this sleeping draft poured out. Then the fields were flooded three palms high with the liquid by the might of the majesty of this god. When the goddess came in the morning, she found them flooded, and her gaze was pleased by it. She drank, and it pleased her heart. She returned drunk without having perceived mankind. The majesty of Ra said to the goddess, Welcome in peace, O gracious one. Thus, beautiful women came into being in the town of Imu. Like all mythology, this was probably a little bit cryptic for you. This tale was created during the New Kingdom of Egypt, some thousand years before the Common Era. It recounts the moment when mankind's greatest authority of the day, the sun god Ra, contemplated wiping out his ungrateful people from the earth. The goddess Hathor, who was the physical embodiment of Ra's great eye, or the sun, was very much for this plan, as she'd already been killing humans in the Red Deserts west of the Nile. What I believe happened next is that Ra tasked his humans with one last job that they might change his mind. The humans come together to brew 7,000 jugs of beer, colored red with ochre, and looking like the primordial ooze from which they were conceived. Ra tastes the blood-red beer and likes it enough to save his people. Thus, the Nile is flooded with the beer, simultaneously wetting the people's land so that they might grow crops, and hiding all humans from sight. Whether that's underwater or shuttered in their homes, I'm not sure. So, with the flood and the humans out of sight, when Hathor comes to slay them, she finds Egypt empty. Nonplussed, Hathor drinks some of the alcoholic floodwaters and returns to Ra's side, satisfyingly drunk. Mankind is allowed to live, and what's more, Ra is so pleased that he places a brand new flock of beautiful women in the town of Imu. Thanks for joining me. Good night.